Indeed, there are more questions than answers, like why are disabled toilets big enough to run around in? Hi America, <laughs> hello world. Wow. My name is Adrian Ew. Lee and I'm your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me start by introducing my guests. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and DVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. After her granddad's funeral, Heather scattered his remains over the garden, which was distressing as he hadn't been cremated. Welcome to the show, Heather. God, hello. I also wish to introduce the mad and crazy Michelle Corey. Michelle was born and raised in Moira, Minnesota, and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal. Michelle was a vegan for a while and lost six pounds, but most of that was in personality. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. This is Series 2, Episode 86. 86 is a loving, caring number that doesn't eat meat and regularly takes flowers to Heather's garden. (laughs) 86 is the international dialing code that will put you through to China. I have a Chinese friend that smuggles large amounts of alcohol from China. Apparently, it's a whiskey business. You actually look a bit like him, Heather. His name's Ug Lee. (laughs) 
86 is mean. Yeah, he'll get his. Chick he? Hicks was the main villain in the 2006 Disney Pixar film Cars. His number was 86, of course. The number refers to the year Pixar was founded. Disney are wanting to make a film about a dancing ghost called Polka Hauntus. <gasps> Oh. <laughs> Department of State I love this show I love this show Department of State Form DS86 is used to cancel passport applications in the event of a non-receipt I can't think of a joke for that in any way, shape or form In slang, 86 means out of an item Like if you're in a restaurant and they've sold out That's called an 86 It also means you can be banned from an establishment like Heather has been 86th at Dairy Queen. Oh, my local restaurant serves breakfast at any time, so I ordered French toast during the Renaissance. Time traveling with every pancake <laughs> ordered. I love our mailbag every week. I love to read out all of your messages, all of your letters. This week, I have to say, this makes me incredibly humble. Your messages have been absolutely fantastic. I don't know whether you were getting into the Halloween spirit or not, but this week's mailbag was fantastic. So I thank all of you for listening to the show. Jonathan from Cardiff in Wales has posted, I'm new to the show. I have heard the most recent few and I'm working my way through the archives. I think Heather should get extra points for awful but hilarious accents. Oh. Well, I agree. <laughs> yes. The Welsh are a very strange bunch. <laughs> and when she referred in an early episode to a piece of male anatomy as a meat stick, it was the <laughs> highlight of my day. Yay. <laughs> you need more highlights in your day, sir. I dare not listen to this show when I'm out with people looking at me like I'm a crazy maniac laughing on my own at the side of the road. I love the show. That's very kind of you. That That's is, Jonathan that is great. from another country, of course. That is Wales. Sarah from Illinois. I expected this to be funny being Halloween and all. But wow, 11 points for all. I love your show. Even better than old school Art Bell. Wow. That's Isn't awesome. that nice. enjoy? 11, point, 11 points for everyone. They will be removed, of course. <laughs> Stephen in Florida. Yay! Posted, I realise that listening to MQTA gives me the same naughty pleasure I used to get sneaking into the spare room to watch Monty Python as a kid. Oh, that's love great. It. Compared yeah, wow. to Monty Python wow. is a joy, isn't mm. it? Wow. Jeffy Milwaukee says, you have set a high bar. Yes, we have every chance of missing that this week. <laughs> <laughs> we are looking forward to extra spooky and extra funny. And by the way, that's a great photograph. I love seeing your photo every week, Jeff in Milwaukee. I said last week he was in California. He's in Milwaukee. So my apologies to Jeff and I love seeing your photographs. Michelle says, I'm still half French, but I am all American. I'm sure there's operations you can have or some sort of psychotherapy treatment. <laughs> your show is the best thing to happen in a long time, and your books are great. That's just a joy as well. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Finally, Chris in Texas has written, I love your show, Adrian. You have one of the best voices I've ever heard on the radio. Oh, that's just plain crazy. I have listened to Dark Matter Radio since the beginning. Thank you. 
Again? What do you mean that's creepy? <laughs> creepy? It's creepy, I tell you. If you wish to listen to my creepy voice, you can go to SoundCloud and search for MQTA Radio. Those are our archives. We have shows there over the last three years. You can listen to those in the car, at work, in the gym, doing the housework, anywhere you wish. We listen to in 190 countries with 100,000 people tuning in a week is remarkable. You can also access us on iTunes, TuneIn and Stitcher. We're on Twitter. My Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. That's T-I-P-S. That has 86,500 followers at the moment. We have outtakes and me reading chapters of my books on YouTube at the moment. If you go onto YouTube, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, or you can search for How to Be a Christian Psychic with Adrian Lee. And I've read chapters of that book there for you. I often forget to mention this early on in the show, but at the very end of this show, at nine o'clock central time, when we're off air, we carry on in the studio for an extra 20 to 25 minutes in a round that's called Not For Your Mother. It's a round that we can't possibly read out live on air. We will be shut down (laughs) and removed, but you get an idea of our humour. But these are the stories from around the world that we cannot read out on air for sake of taste and innuendo. Well, it's not innuendo, really. We're just plain saying it, aren't we? <laughs> there's no mystery involved. But if you visit our archives, there's an extra 20 minutes for you. as a little gift from us to you. And that's the round called Not For Your Mother. Remember, our shows are archived a week behind our live show that goes out on a Friday at 8 p.m. on Dark Matter Digital Network because Dark Matter likes to play our shows during the course of the week. I did something this week I've never, ever done before. Mm-hmm. This was a first. Yeah. Heather was with me. Yes. So were five strangers and a man bringing up the rear. But <laughs> I've never... You're filthy, Michelle. Absolutely <laughs> filthy. I've never, ever been into a haunted house experience. Right. I'm a paranormal investigator. I've investigated the most haunted buildings all over the world for the last 20 years. I've seen demonic entities. I've been attacked. I've been scratched. I've had things thrown at me. Things I can't even begin to imagine. Very strange, very bizarre. But I dislike immensely watching horror films and going into haunted house experiences. I hate jumping. I'm more afraid of the living than I am of the dead. Right. So this is where we are. Mm-hmm. I don't see any enjoyment in going into a basement of a disuse factory while there's unemployed drama students running around with broken <laughs> chainsaws. Okay. Some people enjoy that. Well, yeah. we got to investigate last summer... We spoke about this on the radio show. If you go back and listen to our archives, we investigated in Redwood Falls, in Redwood County, Mm -hmm. in the middle, southwest of Minnesota. We investigated a building called the Francois Hotel, a very old Victorian building, Mm -hmm. very, very haunted. Some of my investigators said they had the best paranormal experiences and contact in that building anywhere they've investigated across the Midwest. Right. One of them took a photograph of a ghost sitting in a rocking chair. In the basement. Yep. So we've investigated this building. Mm -hmm. Now, very good friends of mine, Cindy and Craig, who run the Haunted House Experience, put together the most amazing show in the basement of that building. The police shut the streets off. Every child and most adults from Redwood Falls came over the weekend, last weekend of Halloween, into that building. We dressed up. Yes, we did. Would you like to explain what you... 
dressed yourself as? I wore my horns again. You had <laughs> demonistic horns, like Maleficent, would that yes, be fair? Yes, yep, and white contacts. and. You had a staff with a crow now to the end of it. I did. If you want me to go into it, I can say when we were down in the basement, I got the pleasure of actually scaring one of the people that were supposed to scare us. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You know you've got a good costume when you're scaring the staff. What happened exactly? We walked around the corner and she had just got done scaring the person ahead of me. She turned around, or he, turned around and all of a sudden she went, oh my God. (laughs) Not the first person to say that, I'm sure. Oh, you're mean tonight. I know, I'm feeling a little bit feisty actually. Having said that, we're all on 11 points. (laughs) Yay! So that's a very good start. And it's a great number for binary as well, so I'm not complaining. But we went along. I dressed up in a kind of steampunk outfit. I had a long yeah. leather coat and boots and right. goggles and the whole works and a top hat. Victorian steampunk was the way to go. I went to support them. I went along to show my face, sign a few autographs, say hi to people. I did not want to go down into that haunted house. I did not want to go down into that basement. Yeah. I dislike immensely people jumping out on me. Yeah, I do not you. like this. And I'm a paranormal investigator. People don't seem to understand this. They think I love this, and I don't. It's not what I want to do. So you went down there. You walked through. You had a great time. I laugh. Right. For the rest of the evening, I'm being bullied into going down there. Every person in that building. Well, I think what happened was that the people that organised and put that together wanted me to go down there because I was Adrian, the English ghost hunter, and they wanted to show me how proud they were. Yeah, they worked really hard on it. Oh, my. I've I've not got a great history of uh, going into these buildings of haunted houses. I've never been to many or even gone inside. But uh, it looked fantastic. Yeah. So I finally gave in under peer pressure... This is how people get started on crack cocaine, I tell you, and heroin. But under peer pressure, I broke. I walked through. You did. I laughed all the way through. You did. It was hilarious. (laughs) And I've never seen so many amazing rooms. Just to give you a flavor of thing, they had like an alien autopsy room where they were doing an autopsy and there was smoke. They had a room that looked like a jungle and you're making your way through the jungle and there's a gorilla running around. Awesome. Yep, and a zombie apocalypse room. They had a zombie apocalypse room. They had a room full of clowns and it looked like the (gasps) 1960s. And there was all like these strange, like Rowan and Martin's laughing, all these kind of lava (laughs) lamps and lights. They had a creepy doll room. The creepy doll room. (gasps) They had a head on a plate that turned around and made some gentleman urinate himself. Oh, I think that was my favorite part is walking well, around urination. with no, walking walking around with the two different couples and watching the women just walking through like it was no big yeah. deal and the men were cowering. That is true. They were <laughs> the they had their best. baseball caps on, they were chewing gum, they had their viking shirts on and they were cowering. <laughs> the women were kind of pioneer women and just plowing on. <laughs> The men came out a quivering wreck. That was just a joy. So that's a first for me. I enjoyed that and I laughed all the way around. That made me happy. I may embrace a few more, but I'm glad I was bringing up the rear with a gentleman that takes you around in case someone has an incident. (laughs) He knows knows where all the the exits are and and the defibrillator. And I think he had a glass box that you could break that had depends in it as well. Nice. But that was just a joy and that was a first for me. So I hope everyone had a very safe and a very happy Halloween. Last week was madness. I did six newspaper interviews. I appeared on the front page of six newspapers across the southwest. Amazing. I nice. did five interviews. Mm-hmm. One was out of Canada. I did another one out of New Orleans. Yeah. I was being grilled every night 
about ghosts, UFOs, hauntings. Yeah. It's quite remarkable. If people want to catch up and see a serious side of me, they can go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee, and all of those interviews with all of those radio stations are posted on that particular site, as are all of tonight's stories and all of our chat room and much, much more. On Monday, I was in Jackson, Jackson County, yeah. Minnesota, signing my new book. It was the first book signing I've done for my new book that came out several weeks ago. Yes, awesome. I have to thank Susan in Coffee Choices. If you're going through Jackson on Highway 71, coming in and out of Iowa on the Minnesota border, do pop into Coffee Choices on 2nd Avenue. They do fabulous coffee and fabulous food in there. So I want to thank everyone associated with that. Now, as you know, my new book, Mysterious Midwest, Unwrapping Urban Legends and Ghostly Tales from the Dead, has a foreword by Dave Ellefson. He is the bass player and the founder of Megadeth. He was inspired to write a song called Mary Jane back in 1988 for Megadeth with Dave Mustang. And one of the stories in my book, one of the investigations in my book, was of that witch and of that cemetery. Now, Dave Ellefson has very kindly, and this is a world first, this is the first time this has been played anywhere on air. This is a remarkable couple of minutes, but Dave Ellefson of Megadeth is reading the foreword to my book, and he sent that to me from his recording studio in Arizona. So what I'm going to do now, we're going to play David Ellefson reading the foreword to the book for the first time live on air. From the earth up through the trees, I can hear her calling me. Her voice rides on the breeze. Oh, it's haunting me. From Megadeth's song, Mary Jane. Hi, I'm David Olson. I am a native of Jackson, Minnesota, a lovely yet industrious farm community nestled around the Des Moines River in southwestern Minnesota, located just a few miles north of the Iowa border and only an hour's drive from the eastern edge of South Dakota with open skies, clean air, and 10,000 lakes of gracious and plentiful water. It truly is God's country. Settled in the 1800s, Jackson is the quintessential Midwest farm setting, designed for families whose ancestry was all about raising crops, livestock, and enjoying the simpler things in life. Two of the things I love the most about growing there, growing up there before moving to Hollywood in 1983 to pursue my dream of rock stardom with Megadeth were the friendliness of the people and the feeling that one is far from the big city danger. On the farm, we left our houses unlocked with the keys in the car with nary a concern for theft or illicit behavior. Neighbors dropped in frequently to spend hours a day just chatting about the current affairs of the area, usually over a cup of coffee and those bars. The tasty treats handed down from local recipes of neighbors harnessed within the pages of the church recipe cookbook. Everybody knows everybody and never does a need go unnoticed without a helping hand from a friendly neighbor, always at the ready to pitch in and help. These are centennial farms and villages founded by ancestors from the early migration of the 1800s into these regions, almost all of European descent, built firmly on the traditions and superstitions of their European homelands. But like most quaint villages, there brews a disturbing mixture of rumor and hearsay left over from the bygone generations of things that go bump in the night. Just a few miles south of Jackson lies Loon Lake Cemetery, filled with the headstones and memorials of the founding generations of pioneering families in southwestern Minnesota. From this one rural cemetery unfolded haunting tales of tragedy and hardships, tales of those who playfully violated these graves believed as if the witchcraft buried within them was actually true. 
As a curious teenager, the morbid fascination with these tall tales ran deep in me, and these sometimes frightening local fables took on a life all their own. As daring teenagers without much else to do, my generation of youngsters would often sneak into Loon Lake to taunt these great sites, knowing that no good deed would go unpunished. We would creep around amongst ominous graves by moonlight, with irrational fear building in our guts. The threat of being caught by the cops was always a consideration, but then that ran a distant second to the super, supernatural wrath we feared was about to be unleashed, yet we persisted. Seemingly, the spirit of one of those local, le er, local urban legends followed me all the way to Hollywood and would go on to establish itself firmly into heavy metal lore through a song called Mary Jane. Fast forward many years and Megadeth was putting together songs for our third album, So Far So Good So What, which would be released by Capitol Records in 1988. After we finished the Peace Sells album, Dave Mustaine and I flew back to the farm in Minnesota where I grew up. I took Dave down to Loon Lake and showed him a grave that lies on top of the hill out in the middle of the field. The wind was blowing and it was very haunting. Dave really caught the spirit of it. So together we wrote Mary Jane, which would go on to become not only a single, but a classic song in the Megadeth repertoire further propagating the myth of the young girl buried alive in the Loon Lake Cemetery. And like most things heavy metal, Mary Jane took on a life all of its own, giving birth to new generations of fans intrigued by this macabre tale. Is it folklore or is it truth? Could these horrifying stories be real or are they just fiction? Are they just tall tales blown up out of proportion to keep teenagers out of graveyards? Well, the book you now hold unwraps the tales that have deli so delightfully gripped us natives for decades. Author Adrian Lee has masterfully brought his inquisitive light to the darkest side of the quaint farm life while uncovering the truths and dispelling sordid myths across the amazing Midwest. So sit back and enjoy these intriguing and intense tales of the paranormal, which have over time become persistent urban legends. From yours truly, David Ellison, Megadeth Bassist. That's great, isn't it? What a That's fabulous choice. Amazing. Makes me very happy. That's the book mysterious midwest unwrapping urban legends and ghostly tales from the dead available in all good bookshops and on amazon of course before we jump into the round that is ghosts and hauntings i have a story here that in some ways talks about the haunted house experience Do you know we laughed all the way around you mm -hmm. laughed as well when people oh, God, were jumping yeah. out at you you wasn't scared you were laughing oh i yes and i was laughing hysterically uh -huh. as well they must have thought we were mad I have a story here just to kick us off. It says, have you ever noticed how going through a particularly scary haunted house or waking up in the middle of the night to investigate a strange sound can sometimes go beyond exciting and fun to feel almost therapeutic? There's a scientific reason for why the experience of fear has an exhilarating and then calming effect on the body. And that reason could actually save your life. So our show could actually save a life. We are a public service. Hmm. Break glass in case of emergency, MQTA. I recommend it at least three times a week. Back in the <laughs> days when the biggest stressor in a human's day was to avoid being eaten by large animals, the fight or flight instinct was brought into play on a daily basis. When a person is confronted by what they believe to be a threat to them, a hormone called adrenaline is released that raises our heart rates and kicks us into a high gear so we can fight off what's after us or at the very least flee the scene this is crucial to survival when we're in actual danger but when we know that we're in a place where nothing can actually harm us we're able to just enjoy the sensation without having to actually fight 
or run for our lives. No fighting or running for your life on this show. <laughs> I enjoyed that far too much. I want to play that in someone's ear. Michelle's going to be asleep. We'll creep into her bedroom, Perfect. put some earbuds in, and just replicate that and see what happens. <laughs> Apparently, it's good for you, Michelle. It's actually making you healthier. When we're in a safe place and we know it, it takes less than a second for us to remember we're not actually in danger. Sociologist Margie Kerr said in a quote to the Washington Post, then we switch over to enjoying it. It's a kind of euphoria. That's why you see people go right from screaming to laughing. And we were laughing all the way through. We didn't scream. I wonder (laughs) if having spent so many decades in haunted buildings and battlefields and graveyards, that we've kind of desensitized ourselves to the screaming part and just jump straight in and just start laughing. So I'm not a screamer, I'm a laugher. Michelle's a a moaner. She's a sweater. And that kind of turns me off. You're welcome. So taking these facts into consideration, you've got a good excuse for loading up on scary movies and haunted houses and episodes of MQTA. You're just testing out your fight or flight to make sure it still works for when you really need it. Like the day after the elections when citizens stormed the streets with firearms. I've started the show on 11 points. What have you got for me tonight, Heather, in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Did you get it? No? Yeah. I've got 007. Oh, I thought that was Bonanza. I'm confused. Is it Daniel Craig? It is. I'm James. James Bonanza. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's not really in it, Michelle. Sorry. I'll pretend like... You get all worked up and then he gets snatched away from you at the last minute. (laughs) Inspired by 007 Mexico to hold a Day of the Dead parade. Oh, from the movie. Yep. The opening scene of the movie Spectre shows James Bond chasing a bad guy through a Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City, except... There actually never has been such a procession. There was a really good helicopter <gasps> scene in that as well. Yes. Where they're fighting. Amazing. Yes. But life is about to imitate art. Inspired by the film, officials decided to hold a similar parade on October 29th that will start at the Angel of Independence Monument and end at the historic Zocalo Square. The procession will have hundreds of volunteers and will revisit the props and the wardrobe of the well-known film Spectre. The city government said in a statement on Thursday in the film, the British spy played by Daniel Craig. Yeah. <laughs> goes, Hi, Daniel. Yeah, because he's listening, right? I'm thinking of that. Hi, Daniel. Or as Dan, as we Dan. call him. If, if, you've, if you've penetrated his most intimate circle, it's Dan. <laughs> he goes after a bad guy through a parade featuring giant skeletons floating among people dancing with their faces painted as skulls. The parade didn't exist in real life, said Tourism Minister Enrique de la Madrid. Now, de ma Lama Madrid. Yes, yeah, my mama Madrid. Okay, I've got it. Now, At least we haven't got the Mexican accent yet. Well, <laughs> now based on the film, 
there will be this festival. They're actually going to make a oh, Day of great. the Dead festival. The procession will start as a series of events that will run through November 2nd in the Capitol. The Day of the Dead takes place between November 1st and 2nd every year when Mexicans visit cemeteries to pay respects to their late relatives, bringing them food and drinks in a centuries-old tradition mixing pre-Hispanic and Catholic beliefs i would love to see that we need to that get out for next year we yep. need to get out there yes. i should give you two points you are now on a very unlucky 13 i love nice. it a young girl claims to have been possessed while playing a game which left her face and belly swelling as a demon entered her Milagros 12 was reportedly left in a state of possession after playing the game in which a cup is put upside down on a table and moves around the game is commonly known as Charlie Charlie among oh, other again. names again. I thought that was with a pencil I thought it was too and you I cross the pencils yeah and I don't whatever. think they know the details the girl was said to have been playing the game during a sleepover at a friend's house what happened to the days when you do each other's hair or play with a Ouija board perfect <laughs> The girl's family have tried to get priests to perform an exorcism, but they were on holiday until New Year. <laughs> so let's hope no one gets possessed between now and 2017. <laughs> Hang on. Surely Christmas is their most busiest time of the year. No, no, we're on holiday. We'll be back in January. We're done with all that Jesus business. I'm fed up with it. It's the busiest time. I'm taking it off. I need a break. They're laying on the beach as we speak in the Caribbean. That's ridiculous. Her mother of San Pedro, Argentina, told local media, what is happening with my daughter is like having a person inside that will not let her be quiet. It's the demon of Tourette's. Today, Tourette's. <laughs> no, not Florette's, Tourette's. I hate broccoli. I know. I go around <laughs> shouting at random strangers, cauliflower, cauliflower. One of the worst. Of all kinds of bad words. One of the worst cases of Florette's I've ever seen. She came out with broccoli while we were in the chocolate aisle of Walmart. <laughs> Today I believe in all of this because what you're experiencing is something that is true. So what we need is someone who is dedicated to doing everything that has to do with exorcism. We must be with her at all times because she does not do things that are her. Journalist Betty Rodriguez has been investigating the case, saying the girl changes voice, exhibits aggressive behavior. Hang on, that's our radio show. I was going to say, that sounds like me in real life. And declaring things like, I want to kill my sister. <laughs> Anyone want to jump in? That is real life. I swear to God, that was me in 1980. <laughs> The mother is convinced that it is not a psychotic break, but a possession from the cup game. So a swollen belly. It's the demon of yesterday's Taco Bell, I believe. Mm. Taco Bellzebub. <laughs> <laughs> she needs the ancient exorcism rite of Beano. <laughs> what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? <laughs> A new computer model has calculated how long it would take for a real-life zombie virus to spread. Developed by Argonne National Laboratory just in time for the Halloween season, the model is based on the same type of simulation used to calculate the spread of diseases, such as Ebola. Fun! By centering... <laughs> 
<laughs> we... I like the, laugh now. Yeah. Fun. Exactly. Scary. Oh. <laughs> By centering their zombie model in the city of Chicago, the researchers were able to determine that a real-life virus could completely take over within as little as 60 days after the initial infection. The model indicates that within this time frame, 2 million Chicago residents would have been turned into walkers, while a further half million would have ended up dead. The findings echo the plot of the popular TV series, The Walking Dead, in which a zombie virus succeeds in wiping out most of the human race in less than two months. According to the researchers, the computer model also makes it possible to see how the implementation of different strategies by local authorities could influence the outcome, teaching citizens how to kill zombies and set up improvised communication systems seem to offer the best chance of keeping the maximum number of people alive following the outbreak. Wouldn't it have been better to have run a model on things that are actually real, like muggings? You don't think this attacks? is real? I've yet to see a zombie. I will put that to you. Really? I have I have garden implements at the ready, sharpened, ready to go. You think that's the least of my worries sat here in the Midwest when winter's about to descend upon us is zombies. It is at the bottom of my list of priorities when I get up in the morning. A family claims they can talk to dead people through the Amazon Fire Stick application on their television. A video clip shows a family watching a television screen as messages are purportedly spelt out on the screen keyboard by a dead family member. Wouldn't it be great if the dead still want to watch certain shows? Yes. You know, your grandmother's there. You're trying to watch some soccer. She wants to watch Lawrence Welk. The family members laugh and gasp. In fact, you should be doing actions to this. The family members laugh <laughs> and gasp and then take their clothes off as the messages continue to be typed on the screen. That's called conditioning. Well, tell him I love him, a woman in the living room reads out from the message on the screen. The woman continues quoting from the screen. I knew I was his favourite cousin. The woman exclaims, oh my God. The typer then writes that they miss her and they wish they had two lives. Another female voice watching says, man, this is crazy. I'm about to cry soon. The video has been watched by more than 200,000 people. One commentator said... All my fire stick tells me is that the batteries are dead. But they can be resurrected, of course. A commentator on the video also said that this is very logical. All you've done is have your IP address stolen and hacked. If I was you, I'd disconnect the devices and have them checked. It was unclear where the video was shot, but the family's accents sound American. So they're probably wandering around the street looking for fictitious Pokemon characters at least they didn't sound australian <laughs> this is almost like a ouija board isn't it you've got little letters and you're spelling stuff out it's an yeah. electronic ouija board i shall give myself more points i'm up to a rather resplendent 14 michelle is on 13 heather is also on 13 we've never known such dizzying heights in terms of numeracy as we never. go into the round that is ufos and cryptozoology, it's green men and hairy beasties. Heather, what have you got for me tonight? I have a wreck of a submarine attacked by the Loch Ness Monster has been oh! found. The Loch Ness Monster has attacked the wreck. But Nessie is gentle. Of a submarine. No, they found a submarine. They found a submarine. In Loch Ness? 
And How did they get in there? It was... I'm looking forward to a Scottish <laughs> accent at some point, oh, actually. Yes. Every, oh, everyone no. around the world is waiting for the Scottish oh, accent. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Cobra. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, we boogie ya. <laughs> subsea images reveal the vessel is largely intact, and the discovery has prompted historians to investigate whether it is a UB-85 Who's Hang on, that's a rock band a from UB the 80s. 40. Red, <laughs> red, red UB85, I remember them very well. Mm, terrible. That would be the tribute band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whose captain claimed it was attacked by a grotesque sea monster in April of 1918 before surrendering to a British warship. Official records state the submarine was spotted on the surface by HMS Corapus. You're making that up. I think That's so. That's someone who looks after feet. You go to them if you've got corns. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's some... HMS Chiropodis. Yeah, that too. Like well... HMS Chiropractor. That's his <laughs> twin ship. You see what's happening there? Which sunk the U-boat after the Germans surrendered and were taken into captivity. However, additional details have since passed into folklore. What if... What if the Loch Ness Monster thinks it's got poor eyesight? It's been around for a few years now. First spotted in the 1930s. So it's at least 80 years old, I would suggest. Sees a long black shape in the water. Decides to get amorous. See where we're going with this. Thinks it's his girlfriend. There we are. He's embracing the submarine. It's all going on. According to the German commander, it had a wee head. But with teeth that could be seen glistening in the moonlight. I don't know what that was. No, I'm always struggling. (laughs) It started out Scottish and ended German. You travelled. Yeah, he nailed everything. Couldn't do it better. You straddled a slippery thousand miles in one sentence. Your sentence was split into two classes. I am so proud to be here right now. The we at the beginning was very impressive. Oh, it was good. I had a Scotswoman say I had a wee stain on my jacket, and I wondered how that got on there. (laughs) The Commander Cratch is believed to have declared that the creature's enormous size caused the submarine to suddenly list to one side, and the panicked Germans on deck started firing at it with their sidearms until the beast dropped back into the sea. So that is why you were able to catch us on the surface, Cratch said. To the British naval officers. I'm guessing these are records because this was 1918. Yeah. There's no one left from the First World War still alive. That so wasn't not... him? I can't believe... What well, can they interview him? <laughs> if he was the captain of a U-boat vessel in 19... 90... Das Boot in 1918. How's that, that even possible? I don't know. I should give you points. I have no idea why, but you're now... On 14. This Loch Ness Monster gets around, doesn't he? He does. He goes from pillar to post all over the world. The Loch Ness Monster has made a long trip north, more east, I suspect, than north, and now resides in the chilly waters of Alaska, if this footage is to be believed. One man who works in the sparsely populated U.S. state caught a bizarre creature on camera at the Chena River and thinks it could be proof that sea monsters exist. The footage was recorded by the Bureau of Land Management employee Craig McCarr, who described the 15-foot long creature as strange. A long, strange 15-foot creature. Dairy Queen, anyone? In the clip... It appears to be swaying from side to side as it makes its way through the cold water. Wow. Dairy Queen, anyone? (laughs) Craig said, I initially thought 
It could be some rope that snagged on the bottom of the river with chunks of ice. Other people have mentioned everything from a sea monster to a giant sturgeon. But Craig admitted that the creature never properly revealed itself, leaving many people confused and some a little creeped out. Wow. Dairy Queen, anyone? <laughs> Management <laughs> biologist from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, Klaus Wuttig, says there's nothing bizarre about the creature and insists... Instead, he believes that it's just a rope with loose pieces of slush and ice stuck to it. Some money for cold rope there. Vutig added, it looks like it's swimming, but actually it's stationary and just wading in the current. The video has been posted on Facebook and has been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. If you wish to see the Alaskan frozen rope monster, you need to go to our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. All of tonight's stories will be there for you in glorious Technicolor. All of the video footage, all of the photographs and much, much more that we can't read out live on air. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Loch Ness Monsters? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's minus 10 now. You're taking the mickey. Footage which alien buffs claim to show a UFO hiding behind a mass of clouds has been posted online. The clip shows a normal sky, but between two clouds, there is a small flying saucer-shaped disc caught on camera. After hovering in the gap for a second, it quickly vanishes. The footage, said to have been filmed in North America in 2015, builds on previous spottings of unidentified craft using clouds as camouflage to move around unseen. Scott C. Waring, who runs the blog UFO Sightings Daily, posted a clip in June when an alien spacecraft was reported to have been captured on camera as a cloud formation filled the sky in Belgium. The clip was shared by Mr. Waring as he believed the cloud was hiding a weird giant saucer. There's been so many sightings in Belgium over the years. I think I'm right in saying that there's been more UFO sightings in Belgium than any other country. I know that Belgium has the most battlefields. There's been more battles and more fights taking place in Belgium than any other country in the world. If you add everything up, the Napoleonic Wars, wow. First World War, Second World War, Battle of Waterloo, of course. But there was a very famous UFO sighting in Belgium where a UFO did a zigzag and it got recorded on radar back in the day. So if people wish to look that up, that's a very famous case. But Belgium apparently is the hotspot for all things UFO. Waring, who lives in Taiwan, wrote, It is a well-known fact that not only do UFOs hide in clouds, but they actually create the cloud around them. The 1957 Fort Belvoir, Virginia incident is an example of this. Back then, a soldier took photos of a black UFO ring that headed over the base, but changed from a ring to a disc cloud in just under a minute. Mr. Waring said that the groundbreaking images from that incident showed that UFOs do make clouds. There was a very interesting incident when we were driving out of the cities back to the southwest of Minnesota, and we were going past a very famous casino called Mystic Lake. Yes. And there's lasers fired up into the sky. Uh-huh. And it's created a giant ring up in the sky. Yes. That I'm sure some idiots think... <laughs> 
are UFO sightings. <laughs> Look at probably, the strange formation. I bet every month Mufon gets calls from southwest Minnesota saying there was a strange smoke ring up in the sky like a donut. Yeah. And they're writing that down and thinking, yep, yeah, Mystic Lake Casino. Miss mm-hmm. Morris, you have one more story for us tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. UFologists believe they have found remains of a grizzly brown bear on the surface of Mars. Yes! Yay! Yay! He was uh, looking for his shoe. Yes, he yes. was. Mm, or his arm. Or... He was looking for his arms? Yeah. He was a bear with no arms. <laughs> Is that because he was selling them to gorillas? Oh. Selling arms to gorillas. Come oh. on, there's a joke in there. Dying to get out. Oh, New images of the red planet released online by NASA appear to show fossilized remains of the creature. Alien hunter expert Scott C. Waring has described (laughs) the find as unusual and interesting. Unusual. There's a bear on Mars. That's unusual. How are the cubs doing? (laughs) In an interview with the Daily Star, he said, It resembles a fossilized animal or, or some sort of statue but it's difficult to tell without being able to examine it close up pakistani <laughs> <laughs> some sort of lack of education whatever it is appalachian, appalachian. <laughs> wow you've really nailed that yeah. <laughs> have you got a honey hole there by any chance <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do this next part. No, there's Dark Patch. <laughs> and he's got that there curly hair coat and oh, his no, face area no. is slightly less, got less hair. This would be the wearing that's British, but actually living in Taiwan. <laughs> You're looking for a Taiwanese British accent there at some point. It Nailed has- it. Nailed it. <laughs> next. It has them there two front tooth. Are extremely, extremely white. (laughs) Unlike any other color on this here creature. She's gone through every accent from A through to B. I had to say. Someone's going to get a drink in a minute, aren't they, Michelle? Yeah. Wait for it. There we go. I can almost premeditate. I know 10 seconds in advance when it's going to happen. There's many things in life that you can label that I with. I can't breathe. <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. I had to. Oh, two drinks. People around the world are now taking... Sh- Let them at least fill up their shot glass. I had to say, <laughs> it's a fascio. It's a what? Because <laughs> Fellatio. Because of his hair and tooth. <laughs> it's very interesting, isn't it, that the stories have really become secondary now, haven't they? No one listening to this show cares about the stories anymore. We've superseded them. We've moved beyond the content. Uh, oh, my guts hurt. <laughs> That's because you have an Argentinian demon inside you, sir. But YouTuber Paranormal Crucible disagreed, saying it's more likely to be an unusual shape, like a rock or some kind of statue. Oh, okay. They wrote on the video sharing platform, even without processing the image, you can clearly see it looks artificial. That's the sheriff that's very old from somewhere in Texas. It resembles a bear, a sloth-like creature, to me. Possibly with a shell. You've been practicing. With me? Yes, with Michelle. Well done, Michelle. With Michelle. 
Yeah. She's been up on Mars trying to retrieve yeah. the shoe that so she left a, behind. The grizzly bear Mars story. And that story is on our Facebook site if you want to read that without the Pakistani accent and actually find out what the content of that story <laughs> actually was. We move into the round that's ironically called Strange and Bizarre. <laughs> Because nothing that's been read out so far has been remotely strange or bizarre. These are the stories from around the world that are too good not to read out, but don't fit easily into any other category. A patient's fart during a surgical procedure allegedly sparked a fire which caused her to be seriously burned in the Tokyo Medical University Hospital. Oh, burning the down patient, the house. Burn, baby, burn. Disco Inferno. I think Ring we need to have... You can keep going. <laughs> you can't beat a bit of Johnny Cash. I think... Come on, baby, light my fire. We need people, our listeners now need to write as we speak on our Facebook wall. And next week, I'll read out a list of songs that could accompany... If we're putting together a fire compilation... Starter. Perfect. You're giving them too many clues. We need a compilation album of songs that you could play in the operating theatre when you ignite a fart due to laser treatment and burn the hospital down. This is where <laughs> we need to be. The patient in her 30s was undergoing an operation which involved applying a laser to her cervix, the lower part of Aww. her uterus. Less funny now. The laser is believed to have been ignited by the gas she passed. The fire burnt much of her body, including her waist, and legs oh. flame on this gives an insight into the fantastic four doesn't it a committee of external experts who examined the case said in a report released on october the 28th that no flammable materials were in the operation room during the surgery it also mentioned that the operation equipment was functioning normally when the patient's intestinal gases leaked into the space of the operation room it ignited with the irradiation of the laser and the burning spread eventually reaching the surgical drape, causing the fire. Can you imagine how that sounds? It'll be a bit like... Fire and hole. Quick, get a fire blanket. <laughs> imagine waking up from your surgery. Miss Morris, Miss Morris, we've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is you no longer have any hairs on your ass. If you wish to see mean. that story, you can go to our Facebook site. I said it was strange and bizarre. Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round? That is S&B. Well, Portland woman's stolen car returned with a note, gas money, and a crazy story. She's got her gas money. She got her car back. And her car some back. Some gas money. Some and gas a note. Money. Yeah. What seemed like a simple car theft in Portland Tuesday night ended up being much more. Aaron Hatsey's surveillance cameras caught a woman walking up to her red Subaru, climbing in and taking off a few minutes later. The apparent theft happened right next to Hatsey's driveway near the Southeast 78th Avenue and Woodstock Boulevard. Not like I'm going there. We, were we really... could make a special trip. <laughs> we were really confused because it didn't seem like a normal action of a car thief. You wouldn't think they would just sit there and idle in the driveway and then take off two or three minutes later. Hatsy filed a police report, but it didn't take long before she started getting some answers. Her husband was actually taking out the garbage on Wednesday, saw the car pulled up in front of her house again after it had been stolen, 
A woman, They're just rubbing her nose in it now. Look what we've got. Yeah. You, had, you used to have one of these. Well, a woman jumped out and then she left a note and some cash on the inside. And People Magazine and the Inside Edition are actually trying to interview this woman because they're, they've never met each other before. But this is what the note said. Hello. So sorry I stole your car. I Hang said, on. That's an, that's an Adele song. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I stole, I stole your, your car. car. What's I, the next line? I sent my friend with my key to pick up my red Subaru oh. at 7802 Southeast Woodstock, and she came back with your car. <gasps> I did not see the car until this morning, and I said, that's not my car. Oh, my. <laughs> there is some cash for gas. And I more than apologize for the shock and upset this must have caused you. If you need to speak further with me, I am a bunch of asterisks, and my number is a bunch of periods. So sorry for this mistake. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Bunch of Asterisks. Hello, Mrs. Bunch of Asterisks. No, no, call me Marge. Well, actually, this story is funny because it turns out the older model Subaru keys sometimes work in different cars, according to police. Oh, now you've done it. Everyone and who owns a Subaru is now going to be messing around with other people's cars. The right Subaru, the right red Subaru, was just a block away. Uh, Have you ever done that? I mean, not... No. Stolen, I, a what, stolen a car? No. no. Well, <laughs> I mean, who hasn't? But I, I did that once. What? I stole a car? No, I didn't actually end up stealing it. But she just used it for the getaway. Yeah. I had a black Jeep Cherokee, and I was getting my hair did, and I got done, and I got in the black Jeep, and I put my key in, and I looked on the seat, and I was like, I wonder why John is bringing home all this work. And the key wouldn't work. It's like, I'm in the wrong truck. And if wow. that, if Did... the key would have, because they told me, like, there's only so many keys made. And if that key would have worked, I would have been down the road in that Jeep. Wow. Fabulous. Wow. Nice. <laughs> A hairy, ape-like creature can be seen rubbing against the camera before Chewbacca. trying to cover it with leaves. The suspicious footage was accidentally caught by police trying to nab marijuana growers. One officer decided to share the video with Bigfoot enthusiasts. He said, it's not a bear. <laughs> it's not bear. It's not bear. It's not bear. <laughs> it's got a big shiny tooth. Y'all. <laughs> it's a big and basket. The thing ripped the trail cam off the tree and started putting leaves over it. According Wes Garma, who uploaded the footage to YouTube, the camera's been found torn from the tree by the mysterious ape-like creature. Another officer who saw the footage said he had also experienced similar encounters in the woods with the mythical beast. He added, I also have experienced events, tree knocks, footsteps, and extreme fear for unexplained reasons. I have also found a few footprints. I have seen a few trail cams that were removed by bears. They're all damaged by teeth or by claws. Each of them had been moved varying distances as well. There is no evidence in this case to suggest a bear was involved. The video, which was captured in Sequoia National Forest in Northern California, has attracted thousands of viewers. One viewer commented, did anyone notice the toenails? They were very, very long. Christ, <laughs> it's my dad. He wow. can climb trees. Eek. 
Not well, something many costume designers would think of. Such a thing. And a rented suit would not have such detail. Why Patrick Jacobson admitted he was more sceptical. He wrote, I will start by saying that I believe that Bigfoot exists, but I think this is a bear. Who owns the copyright to that film? Does the bear who tears off the trail cam then own the copyright? to that film if Remember, he recalls. Remember, there's been court cases. Yes. There has. This is where we're going. I suspect marijuana growers are growing marijuana in the woods and they're wearing these costumes to scare people away. I think it's Scooby-Doo. It's Old Man Withers from The Amusement Arcade, I tell you. Points <laughs> all round. Michelle, what have you got in the final story of tonight's round of Strange and Bizarre? Members of the public are being asked to help create a record of ritual markings on buildings that were once believed to ward off evil spirits. The witch marks were often carved near entrances to buildings, including the house where Shakespeare was born and the Tower of London. The symbols were thought to offer protection when belief in witchcraft and the supernatural was widespread. But Heritage Agency Historic England says too little is known about them. The symbols, also known as apotropaic marks, can be seen on medieval houses, churches, and other buildings, most commonly from around 1550 to 1750. They took many forms, but the most common type is the daisy wheel, which looks like a flower drawn within a compass in a single endless line that was supposed to confuse and entrap evil spirits. They look, if you were a small child growing up in the 1970s and Santa Claus has come into your bedroom, they look like Spirograph. Do you oh, remember yeah. we used to yeah. get the pen mm -hmm. and you'd pin it down and you'd have all these little wheels that would make different patterns. It looks like a Spirograph. Mm -hmm. But you have to be of a certain age to know what that looks like. They also sometimes included letters such as AM for Ave Maria M for Mary, or W for Virgin of Virgins, scratched into walls, engraved onto wooden beams, and etched into plasterwork to evoke the protective power of the Virgin Mary. Known examples of witch markings include several found at Shakespeare's birthplace in Stratford-upon-Avon, Warwickshire, carved near a cellar door where beer was kept, and the tithe barn, Bradford-upon-Avon, Wiltshire, to protect crops. I like the way the most important thing to protect is your beer. Yeah, That's a yeah joy. of course. Don't worry yeah. about anything else. Just make sure the beer's safe. This is the first thing. Priorities. Others have been found in caves, such as the Witch's Chimney at Wookie Hall. Yeah, Han Solo's had experience yes. of that. Somerset, which has numerous markings. Yes, it does. Been there many, many times. In Wookie Hall. <laughs> 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 we now enter the fourth round of the evening which is called not for your mother which means you have now accessed our show on our archives we stayed in the studio and we're now doing an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show in a round that we can't possibly read out live on air it is laden with innuendo and the stories from around the world that we just can't Read out for getting into fear of trouble, being removed, or having a hefty fine. If your mother's of a nervous disposition, if there's small minors in the room, you need to make sure they're tucked up in bed with a bedtime story. Miss Morris, what have you got for me first in the round of Not For Your Mother? Mm, cooking classes. Cooking classes. Mm -hmm. Delicious. Delicious. 
a semen cooking class, <gasps> mate. Oh, <laughs> Would me you like bucket. to try one of my cookies? <laughs> nope. <laughs> it may be coming to London. Wow. <laughs> I'll have to let me mother know. That reminds her of her honeymoon. She did a lot of cooking on her honeymoon. The hideous sounding event billed as BYOS, <gasps> which is bring your own semen. <laughs> Can't you drink someone else's? Why do you have to bring... Do you, do you do your own or... Listen and you might learn something. It's a nice iced donut for you, sweetheart. We'll teach participants. <laughs> oh, it's coming up. It's going to teach participants to cook ejaculate no! into starters. Cook it? <laughs> no. I've made you a lovely soup. Look at that wonton soup. <laughs> Mains. Puddings and even <gasps> drinks. I didn't mean oh. to drink the whole soup, but I took a sip and it all went down in one. Those. <laughs> Michelle's gone green. Look at her face. She's green. <laughs> Those heading down. <laughs> will, will need, <laughs> That's got it. We'll need to bring five teaspoons of semen to attend. <laughs> someone else's or your own. Either, five teaspoons. Either your own or, or your partner's, preferably. Just spin it into the Tupperware. We'll oh. take it with us. Any attendees will need to be signed up to wonderrush.com. And though it therefore appears to be a grotesque publicity stunt, the Get group away. says classes will go ahead if just 30 people register and are interested. Five teaspoons. Five teaspoons. You better get working. I've been working for an hour. <laughs> Sex educator. What do you think I'm doing between your stories? <laughs> I'm getting me cooking ingredients together. Oh, God. Sex educator Alex Fox commented, while the idea of bringing cum into the kitchen will doubtless... Come in the kitchen. <laughs> Will doubtless appall many people. Some individuals find the idea of it's moving on my teeth of consuming such an intimate substance <laughs> an incredible turn on. And I guess we oh, it's like anchovy. Have you been? When, I don't remember eating anchovies. And I guess when you consider that humans regularly consume eggs, which are essentially the product of a chicken menstruating... Oh, God. It's completely opposite. Eating a partner's semen doesn't seem quite a No, I'm going to stick with an unfertilized egg. So, well, anyway, the pun-loving fox added, you could also try freezing the ejaculate so you get a cum pop. Ice uh, cube. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a disgusting rumor about my dad. Oh, here it comes. Oh, it's coming. Jeez. To preserve it. And this it. is why she got divorced. To preserve it before you're ready to whip it into a light Victoria sponge Ice cake. Well, it's, a, it's a Victoria sponge cake. Sponge cake. Sponge cake. Or a boozy round of... <laughs> <laughs> or a, oh, it won't go down. Or a booze. Oh no! Well, it's, it could be a boo- <laughs> a boozy vomiting. <laughs> a boozy round of Schlong Island ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Although this may affect the flavor and thawed <gasps> consistency of the fluid. Oh, pineapple! You're getting base notes of pineapple. It all sounds a bit nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't deny the organizers have got spunk. <laughs> Hang on, there's two teaspoons on her t-shirt. 
responses to the event have been mixed. Have been mixed. Yeah, I thought it went down well. And all I, I got can, nothing. All I can say it gives new meaning to the phrase "shake and bake." Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. Brownie, anyone? Oh. <laughs> Poor Michelle, we're going to have to give her five minutes. Look at her, she's gone green. Your nose is a place of mystery. For example, in the midst of a cold, why does only one airway get blocked while the other runs faster than Usain Bolt? Experts say it's something to do with your reproductive regions, the penis and the clitoris, to be precise. I don't blow that. Since when? One good blow should clear your passages then. <laughs> When's a clitoris been a reproductive organ? What did I miss? Yeah, have you never seen one before? <laughs> I've but never seen a baby clitoris. come out. <laughs> I've seen many different types. You, you could almost say clitoris all sorts. <laughs> Apparently the same erectile tissue present in your underwear is also in your nose. It turns out your nose and your sexual organs are inexplicably linked. That's why my nose is always running. Australia-based scientist Dr. Carl Krusaniki said that the reason it feels like one side of your nose is clogged and struggling while the other is snotty and gross is due to nasal anatomic makeup. Basically, your nostrils split the workload. Throughout the day, one nostril breathes, giving the other time off, alternating every few hours. Your autonomic nervous system, which controls things like digestion and heart rate, takes command. And it's the same tissue type found in the penis and clitoris that controls the opening and closing of your nasal passages. They swell and deflate. The nose doesn't get aroused, of course. Have you never seen Pinocchio? <laughs> but the feeling of the blockage is amplified when you're ill. You notice the clogging and you regular nasal cycle is more noticeable because everything is inflamed. I'm sorry, madam. I'm a little inflamed at the moment. You making sure everything's clear there, Heather? Yeah. Yep, everyone's breathing <laughs> nicely. All your passages are open. Fabulous. <laughs> Michelle, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Men who want to have sex with giants are using the internet and the new technology to bring their incredibly niche fetish to life. You're going to measure giants. short. Yes, if you if you fetishize. Yeah, I love fetish frying. <laughs> if you French fries over giant women, you're only going to come up short, aren't you? Do you see what I'm saying? You're going to be a disappointment. Yeah. You're never going to win that. Never. Never. Might be able to find the clearest, though. <laughs> I'll take a climbing rope with me. And virtual reality could be the new frontier. Macrophilia, which translate as lover of large, refers to people who are aroused by the thought of having sex with others who are significantly larger than they are. By larger, they mean huge. We're talking King Kong size or what? larger. Mm -hmm. King Kong. Well, King Kong, of course, was sexually charged. The way he's grabbing that woman and she's in her 1920s ethereal robes. Mm. There's a lot of sexual intrigue in that. A lot going on there. Animalistic, shall we say. Wow. The beast within the human. <sighs> 
I would be uncontrollably drawn to her beauty and power despite the danger such an encounter would bring, a man called Mark told Broadly. It's about spiders as well. The little tiny spiders mate with the giant female spider and then she eats them. It's very dangerous. Mm. This is mirrored in nature, isn't it? Black widow spiders, for example. As a superior being, she would have little regard for me other than supplying her own needs. How when you're only the size of a fingernail? Whether it, <laughs> whether it be as food to nourish her superior body or as a sexual play toy to be used and broken after, I would have no other choice than to submit myself to her. What? And get used. The whole of your body. Mm. The whole works. Limited studies on the fetish have found that it is domination and vulnerability that lie at the very heart of macrophilia. While it's impossible to actually fulfill the fantasy of having really? sex with giants. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've been in the large and tall section of Macy's. I know what goes on. <laughs> the internet and editing technology is allowing men to indulge their fantasy. Photoshop and video editing tools allow men to share the images and videos ranging from the amateurish to the professional of rampaging giant women in various settings. Dr. Mark Griffiths said that the community of macrophiles is very diverse. Some macrophiles have a preference for people only a few feet taller than themselves, where others involve giants who are hundreds of feet high, he told Psychology Today. The reason that this particular paraphilia has increased massively over the last decade is because the internet has played a crucial role in helping create and facilitate the paraphilia. There was a fabulous video. Do you remember the band Go West? They won the best newcomer band, I think, in 1986. We Close Our Eyes. Mm -hmm. They did a song called Call Me, and the video to Call Me by Go West was then running through a town with a giant woman after them. It's very good. If you wish to see that, go onto YouTube, search for Go West, and search for Call Me. You will see the attack of the giant woman. Miss Morris, you have the last story in the round of Not For Your Mother, and we did warn our listeners. We gave them prior warning before this round started. You should have no complaints over the contents of this show. A man had to be rushed to the hospital after getting a metal cock ring stuck <gasps> on his penis until the doctors use bolt cutters to remove it that was swollen what was it made of i don't know but they had to use bolt cutters. It vibranium was it was a washer <laughs> well yeah we're i'm getting, getting to close that. okay he was using the sex aid at home but was left in an unbearable pain when he couldn't remove it it looked like an aubergine it was an eggplant emergency services had to be called who sent an ambulance to take him to the nearest hospital in Bangkok, oh. Thailand. Oh, perfect. You're welcome. One night in Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> and you're getting bolt cutters. Made a small man wonder. Yeah, made a small man wonder. <laughs> Look at that shade of purple. It looks like the sunset. Horrifying images from the procedure showed medics using a two-foot-long bolt cutters and a hacksaw to cut off the small ring. <laughs> God. I just love it. I wish I had a video. Oh. <laughs> You're a cruel woman, Miss Morris. The sex toy is used by men who wish to maintain erection. 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 Yeah. Uh, doctors and nurses struggled to contain their laughter as the man in his 30s 
who has not been identified, had the ring removed. The procedure took place on Wednesday night, not like it matters. Volunteer rescue worker Jack Bankosul. <laughs> You're just making this up. <laughs> Something casserole. Casserole. Said, Jack Casserole. Said, the man put the metal ring on his penis for some kind of sex game at home. I'm guessing English isn't his first language. Now, the sex game, I'm guessing, was ring toss. <laughs> You've won. Builder. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was one he bought or from shop or something. Can we be taken off air for this? Is this like bordering on racism? Maybe. If we find out what race it is, I bet we'll be in trouble. <laughs> The only thing that's stopping us from being racist is that no one knows what race it is. Maybe he found it in garage. Blah, we travelled a long way there, didn't we? We've been all around the South Pacific now. Ah, oh, I think uh, he, maybe he hadn't measured himself properly. Man who goes through airport security sideways going to Bangkok. And when he penis, it pended. <laughs> now we're in Vietnam in 1972 in a bar now. He could not remove it. <laughs> it he, went from male to female as well. Did you notice the gender change? He very, Lady boy. He, he very, very worried. <laughs> and he in a lot of discomfort. You want black? You want white? You want hot pink? <laughs> oh, have a drink. He called emergency services. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> volunteer rescue. Workers had to take him to hospital. <laughs> he was in so much pain he couldn't. This even is the best person they could find, is it, to give an interview? <laughs> the doctors, they used lubrication to try to slide ring off and on, but it's just stop. <laughs> We got hand actions there as well, but we're on the radio, so no one's gonna know. They had to use a big saw and a pliers, and they stretched the ring. Keep going, make it up. And they try to pull it off. You can't say this show's not informative. He very sore. <laughs> and he really embarrassed. <laughs> but thankful he's still able to use a penis properly. <laughs> My life's just drifting away. It made a very thick metal. <laughs> Thankfully, the man suffered no injuries. He was able to go home. And I don't think he ever used a cock ring again. <laughs> well, there's a moral in there somewhere, but for the life of me, I can't find it. Walk with an erection. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery... It's all of us. We all scored 16 points. Yay! Never before in the history Never. of three 16. years of more questions than answers have we had 16 points or a tie three ways, which means we all have to share the $33,000 IR camera. It's the first person to pull it off the tree, drag it into the woods and cover it with leaves. I'm going to need that tomorrow night. 
I won't ask what your date's going to be like. <laughs> Do not fear, listener. Remember, you can see imagery of Michelle's date at Dairy Queen on Sunday morning <laughs> if you look at the trail cam footage on YouTube. And we will be back at the same time next week. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and Michelle petting. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee you can also contact me on my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember if you're listening to the show on dark matter radio please tell your friends and family about our fabulous show and invite them onto our facebook site and we now do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show in a round called not for your mother that you can access on our archives. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Shaton Drainer, Michelle Corrie, and Nathan Bush, and all at the International Paranormal Society at IndParanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group, and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Mm-hmm.